Business Podcast. Proximity is power. Registration for our executive boardroom is still open. To learn more, click the link in the description of this episode. All right, welcome to another episode of the Game of Business Podcast. I am JP Paul, the founder and CEO of Archon Management Services and the guy behind the microphone at the Game of Business Podcast. And today I am very fortunate to be uh, here with Steve Rosenberg. Steve and I met at a seminar here uh, last fall, and I was very impressed with what this this man accomplished in his life. He, uh, Steve, I don't. I, he, you were telling me that you were an airline pilot. You're flying 777s today, and uh, this shift came, which often happens with entrepreneurs when something outside us happens, and you got furloughed, which is interesting because the guy that became my attorney in my manufacturing business, um, same thing. He got furloughed, and then while he was furloughed, became an, <laughs> got his law degree, uh, but Steve went a different path. He got into real estate, became a real estate investor, ended up... Uh, starting a property management company, became really successful at that, sold it off, became a VP at a venture capitalist firm, and then now he, he's he got a consulting business, or I don't know if it's consulting, coaching, mentoring business, but uh, you show people how to build up their business using systems and processes that you learned in the cockpit of a 777 or similar aircraft. So, Steve, did I get any of that wrong? No man, that was actually pretty good. That was a that was a good uh, good summary of my life, I guess, for the last twenty five years. Awesome, bro. When we met, I was I was uh, immediately struck by your energy and your your attitude. And I'm like, this is a guy I need to be in proximity with. And and interestingly enough, we both live in Houston, so there is some proximity there. But sure. um, tell tell me a little bit about um, your program and how you got from this from being this VP in venture capital uh, in a venture capital firm to deciding that, Hey, I'm going to show other people how to do what I did. Sure. Um, and you know, being an airline pilot, it's, it's, uh, it's people always ask me, they'll say, why do you still fly? You know, if you're so successful, Steve, why do you fly? I'm like, well, where's it written that I have to stop doing what I love doing just because of certain amount of zeros in my bank. Do I stop going to the gym? Do I stop walking? Do I, I mean, I love flying. I, I I travel the world. I fly a Boeing Triple Seven airline uh, for a major airline, and I go all over the world two three times a month. So um, I've learned a lot by traveling the world, and I've learned a lot about how businesses work. I've learned a lot how people interact, um, and I think that we are the sum of our parts. And we we I think we're all on a journey, um, and my journey at this point in my life is still flying large commercial airliners. Um, one of the things as we built our management company, uh, my business partner and I, is we, we were very heavily coached. Uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in self-development. And one of our successes came because of my airline background. Because when you look at an airline, um, and you know most people have flown on an airplane at some point, and when you see that airplane pull up to the gate, what most people see is this big flurry of stuff going on. But it's actually this very, very coordinated, structured dance baggage handlers pulling off bags, people disembarking the aircraft. Now, the plane I fly, it's 380 passengers, and it weighs 775,000 pounds at gross takeoff weight. It's essentially an apartment complex with wings, right? And so when this thing comes to the gate, you've got bags being pulled. You've got fuelers hooking up these fuel lines. This thing holds 220,000 pounds of fuel, and it takes an hour to fuel it. 
Then you've got maintenance doing their checks. You've got the cleaners cleaning the aircraft. Flight attendants are doing their checks of in the cabin. And then the pilots, we're up front. We're checking the route, the weather, computers, safety of flight items. We're doing all that. Passengers get back on. Another 380 passengers get on the aircraft. All of their bags that have been scattered all over the world make it into the belly of this metal tube. And the most important part about this lesson is in one hour, that aircraft is pushing back to go somewhere and not one of us has had to talk to anyone. We all did our job based on our systems and procedures. Right, so, and that's, that's one of the, the secrets to building business is building the machine so that, so the, a lot of the folks that I'm coaching right now, they're still in operator mode. And it's really yeah. interesting. I was working, I've got a client here in Houston that I've been working with and he's, and they're, they're going from the first generation to the second generation. And he said, I've just, it's a small business. And I'm like, dude, a $24 million business is not a small business. It's time that we it's, change the way a, we look at small things. Mindset. Yeah. It's a small mindset business. It's like, it's whatever you call it. Right. It's, it's, you right. know, and what, what I learned during this process is we, we looked at this and I said, why can't I make my property management company do this? I mean, it's the same thing. Any business is just repetitious tasks done over and over again. The more you humanize it, the less valuable it is because now it needs human interaction. Now, human human interaction and people enhance the business, but every business is made up of systems, structures, procedures, and in the airline, like in any business, when an emergency happens. So if you don't plan for it, when it happens, that's when it shit hits the fan and it is an emergency. But if you if you structure the business just like an airline, right? And if you know again, this this what I just explained, this happens 24/7 every second of the day somewhere in the world this is happening. And it's not so it's not airline specific. It's not just one airline. Every airline does this. I can be in Sydney, Australia, London, England, Tokyo, LA, or Lagos, Nigeria and it will all operate the same way. So you've got to ask yourself, what, how do they implement systems? Because this isn't rocket science, but yet it's so systemized, you don't see planes crashing. And the reason is, is the systems are so good that the systems catch the mistakes. So what so I show you people- saw this, So you saw this inside the airline world. And when you started your business, you went, oh, I need to optimize this machine. It's a different machine. It's gonna need some different pieces to optimize, but essentially it's the same, 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 uh, same recipe or see, it's like cooking, you're cooking chocolate chip cookies instead of a cake, right? Yeah. You still have yeah. a lot of the same principles, but the ingredients are a little bit different. Well, and, and I, I wish I could say I was smart enough to start it this way, but normally you build it and it starts imploding <laughs> and you start kind of, you know, you know, being the, you know, uh, inspector Clouseau and trying to, trying to figure out what pieces need to be propped up to hold this business going. And then finally, me and my business partner, we sat down and we're like, what are we doing? Like, what are we really doing here? And we were so emotionally attached, like all of us get in a business. We didn't yep. know how to disconnect ourselves to be business owners. All we really had was a job. And it was a low paying job at that when you break down how much time. And so yep. again, and this is through coaching and through, through being trained, you know, we realized the more valuable we were in the business, the less valuable the business was. And nobody wants to buy me. They want to buy a business. And, you know, one of the first things one of our coaches taught us was he said, what's the sale date? And we're like, what do you mean? And he says, what's the date you sell your business? And at the time, I'm thinking, 
I don't want to sell the business. Like, we're going to build it, and it's going to be cash flowing. It's going to be generational wealth. And he said to me, he said, Steve, you don't get it. He said, the reason it has to have a sale date is that's the date your business is completed, meaning it's running without you. Systems, structures, procedures. You can go away for three days, three weeks, or three months, and it will keep running. He goes, if it, you don't have a date, if you don't have a final date that that happens, it will never happen. It goes into the someday file, and you just keep moving along. He goes, would you get in your car and just drive with no destination? Eventually, you will run out of gas or you will give up. What an amazing, people, what an amazing right? insight, Steve, because I, 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 when you started to say this, I was like, oh, I don't know if I believe this, but then the way you wrapped it up was right. So when I, I, I was telling you briefly that I'd studied with Keith Cunningham and yeah. he'll tell you that if you have a business that you're intending to sell, you don't really have a business, you have an investment, <laughs> but you had a two millimeter shift on it. You said, put a sell date on it, not because you want to sell it but because you want to make it so you're not the single point of failure in that business. Right. And it can run right. without and, you. And you create the, what? and man, God, you just, dude, that is, uh, we can get off now, dude. That was the biggest nugget that I'm going to get out of this whole call. That, that was an amazing insight. I love that. And that's something I'm going to be sharing with my clients. You know, what's your sell date? Not that we want to sell it. It can still be your passion. It can still, you know, I can say the same thing to you. When are you going to stop flying? Right. You know? Well, and, 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 and the, and the, the the thing, the thing with the sale date, the reason, and it's got to be written down. Like it's like a day, a month. It's not five years. Five years is not a date. I, right. When I coach people, I want to know a day, a month, and a year, and we're going to write it down. And the whole team is going to know what is that date. Because people go like, well, I don't want my employees to think I'm selling it. It's like, you don't get it. You're not selling it. You're trying to build up. Why are you doing this? Are you doing this for a job? Like, why would you hide the fact that you're trying to make a business run through systems, automation, and structure? Like, who, who are you lying to? You're either lying to yourself or you're lying to them, but you're lying to someone. Build it with intention because all you do then is then you just reverse engineer the business. Okay, in, in on, you know, January 1st, 2028, I want to be doing $50 million a year, 35% profit margin, and spending three hours a week in my business. Okay, now we know the destination. Now we just start reverse engineering it. What do I need to do in two years? What do I need to do in one year? Is this even achievable? So now yes. again, it, go, it doesn't go into la la land because that's what we do. We 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 punt it, right? We we kick it downfield like the someday file, and then what happens is that someday file never comes. And what I've learned, and then this is just my own personal opinion, is, and and I'm sure you see this as well. Whenever I talk to people and I say, "What you know? Wh why did you start the business?" Standard answer, which I think is bullshit. The standard answer is, "I want freedom." So I'll ask them, "Well, how's that working for you?" It's it not. never works. It never is. So, <laughs> when, so I first, you're, you're, when I first bought my first business, it was a manufacturing business. I went five years out of vacation. Yeah. So I, I, I take it a step further. It's not the free. You, freedom is not tangible, right? I think we're on a journey in life and our journey ends when we pass away. So up until that point, we're on a journey. We don't, it's look, I, I've sold my business. You've had a lot of successes. You don't bust through this glass ceiling and all of a sudden you're in this new world. You are who you are as you've been built up and calloused and trained over years. Well, my opinion is that it's not the freedom. It's the memories that the freedom gives you. We're buying memories is what we're buying. Dinner in Greece, family safari, whatever that is. People think it's freedom, but you, how, do you, how can you make that tangible? I can go, I've never heard anybody on their deathbed saying, man, I just wanted more. I had enough freedom. No, they want more memories. 
I also so said, I used to tell people, I never heard, never heard anybody on their deathbed say, oh man, if I just had two more days, one more day in my business, my life would have been complete. One more, you yeah. know, it's, yeah. it's not the case. Harder. You know, yeah. and I love, I love where you're going on this because this is where I, I really uh, help my clients out. And, and we talked about uh, personal development and how, how important that is for your growth. And that's what got me to realize and because when we're in the business, we're in the forest, you can't see all the trees. You don't know what you're, and then all of a sudden, you meet somebody like you or me, and all of a sudden, your world opens up and you go, oh, there's a better way to do this? Oh, I thought I was a business owner. No, I am the business, and I have no freedom. So when we can start seeing things, I, I tell you, I had my business for almost a decade before I learned this reverse engineering concept. Mm-hmm. Almost a yeah. decade. And now... I reverse engineer my entire life across fitness, faith, family, finance, and fun in December. Where am I going to be at the end of December next year? So I set the whole next year, and then I then I come back and I go, okay, where's my milestone at Q1 so I know that I'm on track? And then yeah. where am I in March and February and January? And then I plan my week out. So it's that whole reverse engineering because if you have the target on the wall, now you've got something to shoot for. It's kind of like you just don't take off and hope you land in Hawaii. Right. Yeah. Or, well, oh, and, hey, and, I hope and, I land somewhere tropical when we're at the end of this. <laughs> yeah, I've never done this before. I don't know how much fuel we have. I think I can make it. Who wants to go? No one's going to go. And, right. and you know, the, the, the thing is, is that a lot of times when we're, when we're thinking about this, this business and this life, we're running away from something. And we don't know. We're, we're so, when I, and I'm sure you probably, if you ask them the question, like, why did you start a business? They will, many times, they'll tell you all the things they don't want in life. Well, as you know, your reticular activating system, your RAS, it's going to go right after that. So I'm, I'm like, okay, so you, you, you didn't want to be told what to do. You, you don't want to be restricted. You want that, but how about telling me what you want? Like, let's, let's, don't tell me what you're running from. Let's figure out where you're running to. And they're like, I never thought about that. I'm like, well, if you don't know where you're going, how do you expect to get there? You're just running away, and what happens is, is that's what you're focused on. So guess what? You run right back into that. And again, we don't start a business to be busier. We start a business to have better lives. But yet, as we know, the the, the highway of entrepreneurship is littered with the souls of people that were just driving along with no destination. They didn't know what they were doing, and the business will win. We all know the business will grind you into the ground, and it will win if you don't have a plan and you're not focused. And I think the challenge, just because we start a business, right? We have an idea, we concept, idea, and we think that we can do it better than someone else or we think it wasn't existing. So we start a business. But that doesn't make you a leader. It doesn't make you anything. It makes you someone who had an idea. And I, you know, I'm sure like you, we talk to people and all of a sudden I'm like, well, why, what are you doing as the leader? Because there's the difference between leadership and management. Many people mm-hmm. don't understand that difference. And my thing is, is let's say you want to build a $30 million company. Well, if you think, act, talk like a $1 million CEO, you're not going to magically on the weekends in between commercials build a $30 million business. You have to become that person here first before you'll ever build the business. It's kind of like going to sleep. When you go to sleep, you have to lay down and act like you're asleep before you actually go to sleep. When you're trying to build this successful business, you have to be that successful CEO. And you know, many people are like, well, once I make the money, then I'll do these things. 
And I tell them, I'm like, you don't get it. You're never going to build this. It's not going to happen because you're not that person. And people don't follow a $30 million employee doesn't follow a million dollar. It's like, if I'm a black belt, I'm not going to hang out with white belts and try to learn new stuff. I'm going to learn from people above me. So it's, it's, it's so mental, as you know, it's not the tactical side. So when I coach people, I'm like, I'm not going to show you how to do your job better. I'm going to ask you the questions of, are you even the right person to be leading right. this team? Yeah, I always t tell my, so I have eight fundamental building blocks in business. And the first one is psychology and mindset. And, you, you know, there's a lot of psychology coaches out there. But my thing is, yeah, I got an MBA. I got 30 years of business experience. You know, half of that is an owner of a company. And yet, if my psychology is not right, the rest of it you can throw out the window. You can throw it out. Yeah. And so, and, and it goes that whole, that you, you were just speaking on that, right? So is this part of, when you're talking about, when you, when you start meeting with your clients, is there a pattern that you share with your clients to build the machine? Does it start with the, with the, the psychology piece? How do you go about that, Steve? For me, it starts with the end. I go back to what, what are we doing here? What's Always our destination? Okay. It's always with the target. And then we reverse engineer it. Are they looking to, you know, are they looking to exit for money? Are they looking to build something for generational wealth? Like, is this to be passed down? What are we doing? Because I get clients in all industries all over the world that I work with. And, you know, again, it's what a lot of it boils down to is status, right? They want status and they feel the business will give them that status. But again, we've got to know what, what is the target? I don't want to build someone a $50 million business if they just want to build a $3 million business. I'm wasting my time and their time. So understanding right. what the expectations are. And then I start, we start looking at the structure of the business. So, okay, you know, I, I believe in having two organization charts. That's just my opinion. One of what it looks like today. And then one of what it looks like the date the business is the saleable asset. So we've got the roadmap. We know what it looks like and we know where it's going. Now we just go, okay, well, how many, how many, you know, how many operations people do you have? How many virtual assistants do you have? What does the software look like? So, we, you know, and, and again, those are grayed out because they're not there yet, but we know what, now we have a visual, you know, one peak is worth a thousand words. We've looked at the visual of the company now to know, and then we start building it out. Like, okay, I, I do it very simple. Um, they don't teach you all this in pilot school, so I didn't get an MBA, uh, but, <laughs> You know, again, all business, marketing makes the phone ring. Sales answers the phone, converts them to clients. Operations processes the order, gets them to buy again, and gets referrals. Accounting pays everyone. Leadership is over the top. It's very simple. And, all, and then we just start cascading it down from there. Like, okay, what is the job description? What is, where are the systems manuals? Where are the position contracts? What are the roles and duties? What is the disk profile of, that, of, of marketing? And then, and so again, I kind of do it, but it, 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 I also depend on what is the weakness in the company is again, I don't want to tell them if the back of the boat is sinking, I don't want to be up front polishing the brass at the front of the boat. So first right. thing is I think that's really fire. important. Find, find out that weakness. When I first had my manufacturing business, I had one engineer. Now everything we did. 99%, at least 90, probably, yeah, probably 99% went across our laser that cut the steel, right? Which meant it had to go through engineering. If Gary left the company, I was fucked. Yep. And I realized yep. this early on. I'm like, nobody else can do this. And so I've got to find somebody. That was my first hire that I, you know, as an investment I had to make in my company 
didn't matter. I could, I could get more business, and all I was going to do is burn this guy out, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that that's the thing. We become we become hostage to our quote unquote rock star employees, and you know because it's all in their heads and it's all in your head. And I'm like, well, I hope it doesn't happen. But what if you get hit by a bus tomorrow? You don't own a business. You own a job. That's 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 what it is. If you can't yeah. tell me the business will keep running, like I I ask people all the time. Could I sit, could I step into your business tomorrow, pull out the operations manual, pull out the checklist, pull out the systems. First of all, do you even have those? Most don't. But let's say they do. And could I do that person's job without having to talk to anybody? And then would there be KPIs, key performance indicators that would tell me if I'm doing my job correctly or not? Right. You know, you know the you, answer. You the teach, answer is most people. Yeah. Yeah, no, do you, you say KPIs, and I'm a big fan of those as well. I find most companies set them up as uh, they're still lagging indicators. Do you, do you have uh, your folks set up dashboards, which, you know, I look at, you know, inside a business, you know, you're the, you're the airline pilot. There's a million dials and levers and stuff, millions and overestimate. There's 750,000. Everybody knows that on that dashboard. And you got to know all of them. But business owners usually use one. It's the, it's the accelerator. Oh, just jam with more sales. Just jam down on the gas, right? No. So I'm. A, I'm. A, look, numbers and data make up a business. It's not emotions and gut feelings. Yeah. A business is its facts and figures. So every department in your company has facts and figures that are telling you a story. Sometimes we as owners choose to ignore that story, and that's what bankruptcy court is for, or or dissolving your business when you, you know, first I was taught it's it's a it's a tap on the shoulder. Then it's a two by four hitting you, and eventually it's a Mack truck running you over. There are signs leading up to anything. There's signs of, you know, having a bad employee. You look back, it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, so there there are KPIs and metrics for everything. Now, as owners of a company, I don't think we need to see all of them. We should probably be looking at probably somewhere between seven and ten for the whole company. But cascading down, there should be there could be thousands. Just like there are thousands of metrics for us on an airline for, you know, you know, late arrivals, early arrivals, date departures, maintenance issues, mishap. I mean, there, there's thousands of KPIs. And depending on the velocity and the frequency of what you're measuring depends on where you're measuring that metric. I think that anytime there is a handoff between departments, very simple, from marketing to sales, there needs to be metrics there. Sales to ops, because what is the biggest rub? When sales hands something over to operations, that is the biggest drama. Well, why not measure that? Why not have some metrics? There? I mean, think of it this way. This is the way I explain to people. I could go anywhere in the world, go into any arena, sporting field, or court. I can look at the scoreboard, and I could tell you who's winning, who's losing, who's fouling out, and how much time is left in the game. And I don't even need to know what sport is being played. So my question is, is if I go into their business, can I do the same with their business? Right. We know the answer is, is most of the time it's no. But it's there. It the is. data is there. It, we're just not collecting it. And, and if we're collecting it accurately, right? I've had both in my business. I've had uh, an amazing controller. And I could know that down to the penny, my numbers were accurate. And I can look at my financials and go, What's happening on these three lines? I need to know what made up these three lines. They're, they don't make sense to me this month. And I'd get them back right away. And I've also had the, that, that controller that was just kind of pushing stuff through. 
rubber stamping yep. them. And then all of a sudden, you look up, and six months later, you're going, none of these fucking things make sense to me. What happened to my financials, right? Well, and, and look, I, I think a lot of that falls back on leadership, right? Sometimes we abdicate, and we just want it done. But again, we have a responsibility when we own a business, when we take on that leader hat, we have a responsibility to do these things. But normally, what do we do? We busy ourselves with everyone else's job. But I'm like, but who's doing you? Why aren't you doing your job? Like, exactly. where are your metrics? And they're like, oh, I'm busy doing this. this, this. And like, and, and what a lot of times what we do is we self-sabotage, right? We don't know what to do looking forward. So we turn around and go backwards to go back into our issue. And what happens is, is we just go, well, you know what? I'm just going to go back and fiddle a little bit, self-sabotage it. But I'm like, but your job as the leader is to be moving forward, growing the company, having big conversations. So either you need to start doing that or you need to be fired. It's very simple. It's one or the other. It's very simple because as a leader, you have the biggest responsibility because everybody is depending on you to do your job, which is grow the company or lead, be the visionary. If you're not doing that, you're failing the company. And what we do a lot of times is we train our employees. We train them that if we, if they mess up enough, we'll push them out of the way and we'll jump in and we'll do their job for them because nobody yeah. can do it as good as us because it's our business. But I can tell you this as an airline pilot for over 30 years, I have never had a passenger come up and pull me out of the seat and be like, Hey Steve, it's a little bumpy today. So I think I'm going to take over and I'm going to fly the plane. Now I'll give you another example. If you were on an aircraft and all of a sudden you looked out the window and you saw the engine catch on fire. Would you ever think I'm going to run up to the cockpit and I'm going to take control of the situation and I'm going to start telling these guys what to do? No. no, you're going, I hope to God, these fucking guys know what they're doing and they are trained and I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to hope and pray that we get back on the ground. So you don't know me. You've never met me. You have no idea my training, but you trust me. And you trust me with your life, but yet you have a business that you interviewed the person, you hired them, you trained them, but you don't trust them. Yeah, this Where's is a big the thing with, that's a big thing that I, I, I read this book many years ago called The Speed of Trust. And okay. I realized that, that there's some, some managers out there are, um, you, you talked about the disc profile too. So the people yeah. that are high C's are the, that I found are micromanagers. They, they mull yeah. over details. They get stuck in analysis paralysis. I love having a, my controllers as a high C. Beyond that, it, they drive me nuts because I want to move forward, right? And, and not be stuck in that analysis paralysis phase. Yeah. Um, and so um, when, when I hear this uh, piece about um, people coming to you, I would have conversations with folks because there was a time where I did that. People were always coming to me, well, I got this problem, I got that problem. And I let them put their monkeys on my back. And so I couldn't look out the windshield because I was, like you said, I was constantly looking in the back. Oh, I need to go fill out this person's drink order. Oh, you, you didn't like the chicken? We'll get you the spaghetti. You know? yeah. and, and you're the pilot. I'm the pilot of my business. I can't be doing that. And when I realized that, I realized that there was a way that I could train my employees up, and it was to become problem solvers. And it became a core value in, in all my companies now, which is innovate, because I believe a company of innovators, a company of problem solvers, can dominate any industry. Because it's not dependent on one person 
to solve all the problems. Hey, daddy, hey, daddy, hey, daddy. And now all of a sudden, I train my, my teams. There's three types of problems. Normal problems covered by your job description. Abnormal problems. Something that you it's in your role. You know it's your responsibility. You've never faced it before, but you need to come up with a solution. This is the one where people will come to you oftentimes and looking for the answer. Hey, Steve, how do I handle this? You know, and and you'll answer it, right? But the problem is when you answer that, when you're in that mode, you answer that, you've just given, it's like, remember when you were in school and you open up and all the odd problems or answers are in the back of the book and you're like, love doing the odd problems because I know I'm going to get those right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. And then finally, it's pathological problems, which are the engines on fire. Somebody better tell the captain right now in case there's not, you know, something's got to happen, right? So once I trained them up, it took me a couple months to all of a sudden my office became eerily quiet because number one, I trusted them to make the salute, the decision. And number two, they started growing as they started solving their problems and, and making, uh, it becoming more confident. And their threshold of control, their ability to solve problems expanded. And I love this because then my company started growing. I started getting to that next level of, of actually being able to be proactive and working on the business, not looking in the back and wondering what's going on there all the time, working with dashboards, you know, KPIs, and, and looking at that. But I would tell people, hey, if you if I have to continually do your job, then I might as well just get paid for it. Yeah, yeah, and, and the thing, like I said, we we train them. That's the thing is we we actually yes we do. It's our fault, and and I yep, tell people is. like again, and you know this. I get people all the time. They're saying like, I can't find good employees. I'm like, good employees are not hired. They're created. And so it's, again, I go back to leadership. If I see someone who's going through employees all the time, I know we have a leadership problem. It's not an employee problem. Maybe they're not training them correctly. Maybe they're not setting the proper expectations of what their job entails. There is a, there is something wrong somewhere that we need to identify. That's Mm -hmm. just, again, my experience. It is, and it comes down to culture too. I mean, leaderships leaders are responsible for setting the culture, and I didn't realize this early on in my business. And we had uh, when I first bought the business. One thing I didn't realize was that it was um, well. First of all, it's custom metal fab, so it had big CMF on the side of the building, and the the and we were fabric. I needed to hire high skilled fabricators. Well, the the joke in the community was that CMF stood for cheap motherfucker. <laughs> it wasn't about me. It was the previous guy, right? But you had to get over that mindset because by the end, once I realized I had this culture issue because everybody was coming to me, I set all my core values up and I got all my people aligned. And instead of having to worry about finding a fabricator every month because somebody was leaving for a quarter or 50 cents an hour down the street, became a destination to work. And we went years without losing people. And it all became, it's because of that culture. You protect that culture fiercely to the point where we reviewed people on on culture on every quarter and only reviewed them on their skills annually on their outcomes yeah yeah no i get it man i agree smart very smart yeah so um steve uh, tell me a little bit about the program you run a little bit a little bit more about yeah, so it I, if, you, if you don't mind I do a, I, yeah so i do a uh, i do a coaching program it's a little it's probably it's 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 the same, but different. We'll say. Um, so I do a four-day mastermind. Um, I do it in a, in a mansion uh, where people can come. I bring in very high-level speakers. I just had. I did one a um, couple months ago. I had Brad Lee. Uh, I had the Iron Cowboy. 
I had a gentleman named Dr. Kevin Elko, who is Nick Saban's mindset coach. Um, I've got another one coming up in May, and uh, this will be in Scottsdale, Arizona. And what I do is I do it in a mansion. I take care of all the costs. I, I put you up in five-star luxury hotel. And I do this because it's important to understand what your life will look like when you actually have that successful business. And you can put it in a tangible, reachable format this way. Um, I bring in top-level speakers. I've got Nick Santanastaso coming. I've got some systems and procedures experts coming. A lot of it is to break down who they need to become. Again, they know their business. They're already successful. My job is to understand what are they doing correctly, and more importantly, what do they need to stop doing? And we break down their business, and I give them the blueprint for what they need when they walk out of there. So after four days, we create the end goals. We create the structures, the systems. They actually walk out with a 90-day plan in their hands, an actual document of a 90-day plan, which is in line with their one-year goal, which is in line with their future goal. But so is this, kind of a, is, this a, is this a strategic planning session that you're doing? It's strategic planning, but they, it, is, it is full involvement. So they're not just sitting listening to me talk. They are actually breaking up into groups. I like bringing in all these different industries because we can learn a lot from different industries that do I stuff, agree. I think. I agree, um, yeah. So I bring in different industries, and it's very small. It's only 10 to 15 people. It's a very, very small because I want to have that one-on-one -on -one time with them. Because after... They get unlimited, unfiltered access to me for a year or until they tell me they've gotten double their investment back. So they call me, text me, email me. I give them my, basically I'm their CEO in their back pocket. I said before we were talking, I'm three feet away from their business. I've got a much different perspective of what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. And I tell them, I work with them. I work with their teams. I work with everybody. So they get me unlimited. And I think that's important. I think going to events is great, but the problem is, is we leave these events, we've got all these great ideas and we implement none of them. So it's a waste. My thing yeah. is, is go to an event, but then have someone like me for the next year or longer to implement these, to become, because it's all about becoming that person. They know the business. I'm just getting, I'm asking them different sets of questions. I'm building that blueprint. We're breaking down their systems. We go through all the systems in their business. Every business normally has somewhere between eight and 11 systems. As an airline pilot, I would say I'm pretty good at figuring out systemization. Um, and we understand how to grow and scale your business. I think a business has three things. You have monetization, you have systemization, and you have scalability. You've got to become a master at all those or hire the right people. So we start doing some disc profiling. Do we have the right people in the right seats? Do we have to move mm. some people? Do we have to move some people off the bus? Um, you know, is there, do we need to do an alignment with you and your spouse? Is there a board of directors? So I bring all these things into the mix that they leave there like they are leaving as business owners. And I think that's so important. I don't want them to be business operators. I want them to be owners. Because when you own the system, nobody can take that from you. If I just give you more work and you have a job, that's not going to help you be more effective in my opinion. I want you to learn how to build the systems to own the airline, not be the pilot. Right, and that's what happens with most business owners that I see is we just become, we have a high paying, uh, a nice paying job. And right. yeah, maybe we can take, maybe if we get to a certain level, we can take a little bit more time off, 
but most of the time we they've they've built themselves up into where they are the point of failure like i said when at that point where i was was hey daddy how would i solve this hey daddy how would i solve that i'm like i've never welded anything in my life man and i got fabricators asking me how to get something together i'm like and here's the thing you figure it out you right. figure it out as an owner because you have to there is no i can't you have to figure it out where and our minds are never stopped running in our business no. you know and, where and look you know as well as i do most business owners they almost fear taking a vacation because they know it's waiting for them when they get back a pile of problems a pile of emails a lot of drama if they're not working on vacation when they come back they're like don't talk to me for a week because i just need to unbury myself who wants that life that's not why we started a business we started a business to create the memories to give us the freedom I'm a big believer in showing people how to create those memories to do what we want to do. And that that's what it's all about, in my opinion. So I show people how to create the memories that they need. Yeah, it was. It, here's an example. I just saw a very powerful businesswoman uh, this morning when I was getting ready. Um, and she, was shoot, she shot this video poolside in Cancun with her husband. There's a guy that I trained with and she has, she has her own, own businesses too. And her whole point was, hey, now that I'm on vacation here in Cancun away from my kids, I can, and this is her words, I can be present and focus on my business. I'm like, we're going to Cancun to be present on your business. She's saying that as he's sitting right next to her. I'm like, are you out of your mind right now? The guy next to me this doesn't is- matter, basically. <laughs> Exactly. I'm here to be present on my business because when I'm at home and my kids are crying, I can't get over the mom guilt. I'm like, so you got to fly to a different country to get over mom guilt so that you could work and be present. I, I, I just, to me, that that felt like a completely reverse of what should be going on. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, agree, I, I I I did uh, I did some studying with. Uh, Tony Robbins for a year. I, I was a platinum partner, and one of his big phrases is "success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure." And so this is where you know I tell my kids. You said it early on here, but I tell my kids: don't spend your money on things; spend them on memories. You know, spend them on so experience. True, like you said, that that dinner in Greece. You know, those kind of yeah. things. You can't you can't take those away. You could lose everything. We live in Houston, man. A hurricane can blow in here in the next six months and take our house out and everything in it. But they can't take the memories away, ever. Exactly. I agree 100%, man. Couldn't, couldn't have said it better. All right. Hey, uh, Steve, how can people get a hold of you? How can they find out more about your programs? How can we follow you? I mean, I, I, I'm even more excited to, to connect with you even deeper after this call, man. Um, yeah, this, is a, so- this is great. No, I, I appreciate you having me. Uh, they can go to my website is steverosenberg.com. It's R-O-Z-E-N-B-E-R-G, steverosenberg.com. Uh, they can also go and follow me on Instagram, Rosenberg Steve. Uh, so it's basically my last name first. YouTube, I have a YouTube channel um, and Facebook as well. So I'm on all the channels. I put out great content all the time. So if you want to see some cool places that I travel to, you can do that. Uh, when I'm when I'm flying around the world and people that I meet up with, as well as stages that I'm on, speaking events and, and just video content. So I'm all about giving abundance. And so if you follow me, you'll you'll see some you'll see some cool stuff, and you'll you'll probably learn a couple good things that you know maybe different perspectives. I'd say. Yeah, that's great. Um, any any plans for a book or anything like that? 
I did write a book. I wrote a book, Failing My Way to Millions. Uh, it was my story of building a property management company. And uh, it's kind of comical for people in real estate and they're trying to build a business. They, you know, it's us growing and scaling and everything. And it was, a, uh, you know, a lot of people want to know how I'm still standing. Like we all, you know, you know how it is when you're building a business. Like I should write a book yeah. on this. Nobody would believe it. So I did. Uh, so I wrote a book. Um, and yeah, now I just, you know, at this, at this stage in my life, I, I enjoy helping people. So that's what I do. I don't, uh, I do it cause I like doing it. Um, just like I like flying. So as much as I could help right. people and get them to the next level, uh, then I feel my job is accomplished. That's amazing. Um, I just, a side note, I have a client of mine that, uh, and I got to speak at one of their events. They, they actually have a company that mentors and coaches, um, property management companies. So oh, really? I'm thinking about that. I'm like, huh, failing my way to millions. It's, 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 right for their client base. I'm going to make a, make a mention of that um, to them as well. And um, so you got this event in May. Are there still slots open? Uh, yeah, I've got a few slots open. I've got another one coming up in April. That'll be in Denver, Colorado. Um, and I do two-day summit boot camps. Um, so I, d I just did one in Fort Lauderdale. I'm doing one in two weeks, uh, mid-April in uh, Scottsdale as well. Um, so every month I'm doing them. I'll do them at, sometimes I do them at Bradley's headquarters in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, so I do them in different places and it's a two day summit. That's kind of a fast and furious getting your, getting yourself and your business on track, at least to get you thinking better. So it's a, it's a two right. day, you know, fire hose to the, to the brain kind of stuff. Um, but it's very, very impactful. It's very helpful. So if you go to my website, I just, I'm always doing something. I'm always you can get speaking. It on there. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. All right, brother. Thanks so much for your time. Um, have an amazing, amazing rest of your week, man. And uh, I'm looking forward to connecting with you again soon, Steve. Appreciate you, man. Same here. Thank you, buddy. You bet. Hey, Game of Business family. If you enjoyed or received value out of this episode, please share it. Send it to a friend. See, we don't pay for advertising on this podcast that are strictly word of mouth. And I would love the help to add value to as many business people as I can. Thanks a lot.